have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you. Wherever you go. Hey church, it is so good to have every one of you with us today. Right now we have many who are joining us online. So if you're in the room with me right now, would you join me in welcoming in our online community? Good to have you all here. Hey, uh, we have been in this series for uh, five weeks now, Uncharted Territories. We've been uh, really following along with the Israelite people under the leadership of Joshua as uh, they have uh, been uh, taking that step, that uncharted territory step into the promised land. And, and one of the things that uh, has resonated through this series or a statement that has resonated through this series is that, that we should never be afraid of an unknown uh, future to a known God. You know, we, we should be able to step into whatever God, wherever God calls us, knowing that he is a known God. We can look back at his past, his history, the way he's worked, the way he's moved, and the things he's done, and we can, we can move forward with confidence. And we're going to talk more about that today. Today, we're going to be over in Joshua chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, that's where we're going to be at here in just a minute. And we're going to be reminded of this statement right here. When, when you remember what God has done, you can be confident in what he can still do. All right, so we're going to unpack that statement today as we uh, walk through this text. Now, I'm sure that every one of us at times, we have issues with our memory. Forgetfulness, right? All right, I see some elbows going there, all right? Um, well, it reminds me of a story about a guy, we'll call him Bill today, and uh, he and his wife went to a, a seminar on memory, and one day he was talking to a friend of his he hadn't seen for a long time, and he was telling about this, this seminar he had been to about how incredible it was to help them with their memory. And, uh, and so his friend was intrigued and said, well, Bill, what was the name of it? And he said, oh, I don't remember. <laughs> I said, uh, uh, let me use some uh, uh, word association. Uh, what's the name? Of, what's that flower? Beautiful flower, long stem, thorns. Uh, and his friend said, Rose? Rose? And he goes, yeah. He goes, and, and Bill turned to his wife and goes, hey, Rose, <laughs> what was the name of that seminar? I <laughs> know, uh, cheesy. Anyway, um, Forgetfulness. We all, we all struggle with it. I mean, even just last Sunday. I mean, a lot of you all can relate to this one, all right? Uh, last Sunday, I was getting ready to come up here to the church early in the morning, I always do, uh, to come unlock, get everything ready to go, and I couldn't find my keys, my building keys. I'm like, oh, what in the world did I do with my keys? Now, for such a time as this, I have a spare set, okay? I always keep them in my bag. I know that I, I lose my keys sometimes. And uh, so I came up, did everything, all was good. And, and then before, uh, I think it was before first service, Rick Albin, okay? Uh, Rick and his wife, Mandy, they lock up our building and have locked it up for years, right? They come up every night, lock up our building. They're awesome, love them. Rick comes up to me before service and uh, Reaches in his pocket and goes, hey, Matt, um, I found these keys in the door to the garage. <laughs> yeah, those were my keys in the door to the, our garage here at the church. <laughs> I'm like, 
uh, I don't know what to say about that, but other, uh, only that uh, I've done it before and many other times, actually, to the garage and the office both. I'll leave them in there. Um, anyway, forgetfulness. We all, we all deal with it. Now, now, there are some things in life that we do not want to forget, right? We, we want to hold on to some of those memories, some of those experiences. That's why when you walk into our houses, you will find a lot of things in our homes that are, are, are memory makers, right, or, or memorabilia, I can't even say the word, all right, uh, those things that, that remind us of things that we've done. Maybe it's pictures. I mean, you walk through your house, I mean, uh, and there's pictures of your family. My wife's a photographer. That's what she does is help people capture memories, right? And so maybe you have those family pictures of good times, great times, trips you've been on. Those photos are all over the place. Maybe it's trinkets of, of trips you've taken or little things that your children made when they were little and or reminders of their childhood. Maybe it's an animal mount. Maybe you got some mounts on the wall. Those adventures, you know, it's like, man, that was a great trip with all the boys, you know, and uh, you've got those on the wall. We all have those around our house. Maybe it's awards, remind us of achievements we've made and we keep them up. We, in our house, we have a, a wall right above all of our coffee stuff of mugs and most places we go on trips, Steph gets a mug, you know, and we've got all, mugs from all over the United States and places that we've been and uh, hanging on the wall. Maybe you've got that too. In our text today, God directs Joshua, well, specifically, he directs Joshua to build a pile of rocks, <laughs> but this is a special pile of rocks. This is rocks that were supposed to be reminders of what God had done. Because God did not want his people to forget him nor the things that he had done. And it's easy for us to look back and we read the stories and we see all the things that God did for the Israelite people. And it's like, how could you ever forget? But they did. So God gave Joshua some very specific instructions that they would remember. Now, on this occasion, and if you were with us last week, Chad talked about this occasion. This was an amazing, amazing moment. When the Israelite people were, were crossing over from their years of wandering into the land that had been promised to them and to their ancestors. I mean, they are, they are taking this giant step forward and, and God leads them across the Jordan River at flood stage, right? I mean, Chad unpacked all that last week. It was an amazing thing. I mean, God did two incredible miracles. Number one, he, he heaped the water up 20 miles upstream in the city of Adam, all right? And I love it that he heaped it up there. Can you imagine living in the city of Adam and looking at the river and going, what in the world is happening there? It's like, the water is heaping up. I don't even know what that looked like, right? But that's what God did. He heaped up the water and kept it away from flowing from where... The Israelites needed to pass over. And then the second miracle he did is he dried up the ground. He hardened the ground so that they could walk over. They wouldn't get their feet wet or muddy. And he took care of that as well. Two major miracles to get his people across. It was an amazing day. It was a day of great celebration. Again, it was something that, that their people had been looking forward to for generations. And so God did not want them to forget this experience and what happened that day because we would think, oh man, they would never forget this. But God thinks, yeah, they're human. <laughs> Let me help them. Let me help them remember. So he gives Joshua some very specific instructions in Joshua chapter four. Starting in verse one, let's walk through this. Here we go. 
When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, let me stop right there, we're estimating about 2 million people, upwards around 2 million people, as many as 2 million people have crossed the river that day, all right? So when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, each of the 12 tribes, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So all the people cross over. God speaks to Joshua and says, hey, here's what I want you to do. Get these 12 guys, representatives of each of the tribes, send them back over to where the priests are. Priests are still standing there holding the Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant holds the Ten Commandments. Send them back over, get some rocks, and bring them back and take them to where you're going to be camping at tonight. And so Joshua, what does Joshua do? Joshua's a good dude. He does exactly what God calls him to do. Keep on going. Verse 4. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. So he tells these guys, he gathers them together, hey, this is what I want you to do. You're going to go over back, you're going to go back into the river, you're going to go get these rocks, and you're going to carry them out. Now, let's talk about these rocks for just a second, okay? I don't think these are just little pebbles. <laughs> go get your little rock. No. He says, put them on your shoulder, right? I mean, some guys, they, you know, I read, reading commentaries, they think, oh, anywhere from 60 pounds up to 100-pound rock, right, that you're going to carry back to where we're going to camp tonight, which is Gilgal, which is about somewhere in the neighborhood of two miles. <laughs> That'd make me want to get a little small rock. <laughs> But no, they most likely got big rocks to put on their shoulders to carry to where they're going to be staying that night. Now, if I was one of those men, there'd be one question on my mind. Why? <laughs> Why? 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 Number one, we have come out of the river. We've made it. All right? I don't know. I don't really know how far up that water's heaped up up there, what God's doing, but you want me to go back into the riverbed and get some rocks, and you want me to get a big rock, and you want me to carry it two miles. Why? That's, that's what I would, I would be questioning that, all right? And so I think Joshua knew that that question was on their minds. So let's keep on going. Verse 6. So he tells them, hey, you're going to go get these rocks to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Guys, you need to go get these rocks so they will be a sign among you, is what he says. That when, when your generation and generations to come see these stones, they will be reminded It will give you opportunity to tell the story about what God has done. On this day, when we crossed the Jordan. 
If you've been in my office, I've got a fish mounted on my wall, 39-pound striper out of Beaver Lake. Not to brag. Anyway, but almost every time somebody comes to my office that has never been in there before, they, they walk in the door, it's right here, and they go, whoa, that's big. And what do I do? I tell the story. Well, yeah, that was uh, back on Beaver Lake back in 99, uh, and yeah, I had a fishing guide and got that thing, man. It just took off underneath the boat. My God, I got that thing, and you know, got it in. It was a battle, but I won. Yeah, that's probably not quite how I tell it, but anyway, but I tell the story, all right? These men are going to set up these rocks as memorial that from that day forward, anybody who sees them and they go, what's this pile of rocks for? Oh, let me tell you what happened that day. We came up to the river and God said, oh, you got to get over there. And we said, how are we going to get over there? And he said, just watch. <laughs> and then the priest stepped in the water and phew, the water dried up. It was amazing. It was flood stage. I tell you, it was flood stage. It was amazing. God says, I want you to pile up these rocks so for generations to come, when anybody asks, when your kids ask especially, you can tell them about me and what I did that day. God doesn't want them to forget. And they're to pass it down from generation to generation. Let me, let me tell you, church, let me just stop here. That's what we're still supposed to be doing, passing it down from generation to generation. That's part of the heartbeat of this church is to be a church that passes down the truth of the gospel, the, the stories of the power of God, the, the truth that we find in his word. We are to pass it down from generation to generation, and we are very intentional on how we pour into the lives of our kids here. We, we teach it, we preach it, we strive to live it in front of them. And let me talk to you parents and grandparents. We are the primary holders of that responsibility to teach our children, to raise them up in a way that they know the stories of God, they know the truth of Scripture, and that they build their life upon that foundation. We as a church family, we strive to come alongside parents and partner with parents and, and helping them make that happen with teachers and small group leaders. We're not here to take the place of parents by any means, but we're, we're here to only partner with you in that. But, we're to be a church of people just like God laid out for the Israelites here. We're to be that kind of a church that continues to pass it on from generation to generation. So let me take a moment here to say this. We need more people to help us pass it on to the next generation. This is not a recruitment sermon, all right? I'm just taking advantage of a text, all right? We need more people to be small group leaders and teachers and leaders among our kids. We need more, we need more adults to go on our junior high serve next week, all right? We need, we need more people who will get off of the sidelines to help us raise up the next generation. Because it's real easy for us to sit back and look at this culture and go, oh my goodness, this culture's going to hell. <laughs> well, what are you doing about it? Because we can't do anything to fix it unless we start to pour into our kids and teach them the truth about Jesus. Okay, enough about that.
Let's pass it on to the next generation. That's what God's calling them to do here. He says, hey, you take, take this to them. Uh, let me pause and say this. Let me ask you this question. I, I about passed this up. Parents, grandparents, do your kids know your testimony? Do they know the story of when you crossed over, right? We just had a crossover story. Do they know the story of when you crossed over from, from death to life, when you found Jesus and all the things that surrounded that story that brought you to know Jesus and causing you to make that decision, make that confession of faith and start a new life in him? Do they know that story? Do they know your story? Today would be a great opportunity maybe over lunch to tell your kids that story. They need to hear that. They need to hear it from moms and dads. They need to hear it from grandmas and grandpas. We need to pass it down to the next generation. This was important to God way before this time, all right? Uh, in, the, in the early days of Moses' leadership, God was already prepping his people for this moment. We can go back to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 9, and there he says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget. There it is. Do not forget the things your eyes have seen and let them slip from your heart or from your memory as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. He says, don't forget. He's talking to the Israelite nation here. They've just passed over, crossed over the, the Red Sea and they've seen God on the mountain and they've seen some amazing things. And he says, but don't forget because he knows we're prone to forget. That's Deuteronomy 4. Go to Deuteronomy 6. Again, preparing for this day as they cross the Jordan. Then it shall come about when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers. That promised land, that's what they're crossing into. Swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you great and splendid cities which you did not build. I like that he points that out. You didn't build them. And houses full of all good things which you did not fill. And hewn cisterns, which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant, and you eat and are satisfied. Then watch yourself that you do not forget the Lord who brought you from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery. Listen. You're going to go into this amazing land that is prepared for you. You did nothing to get it ready. Matter of fact, I used all the sinful nations before you to get it ready for you. And I'm giving it to you as a gift. But when you get it, and you get all these amazing things, watch yourself. Because you might just forget about me. Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says it again. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you, that promised land that they're walking into. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when, you, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He says, you got to be careful 
Because when you are satisfied, when your belly is full, when you've built the bigger house, when you've landed the better job, when your bank accounts are full, when all is good, that's when. That's when you'll think, look what I have done. And bam, the enemy's got you. Pride has got you. And God says, watch yourself. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. Because it is so easy when we are so distracted by all the things of this world. Max Lucado, he says, uh, makes a statement this way. He says, a great weapon against our enemy is a good memory. <laughs> I like that. A good memory. Remembering all that God has done, all the provision that God has brought into our lives. Remembering that he is the one that has provided all that we need. And that's what he is calling on Joshua to do with these, these stones is to, to set them up to be this reminder for his people, for God's people. And so Joshua does exactly what God calls him to do. He calls the men. The men go get the rocks. They begin to carry him out. They step out of the river. Right behind them come the priests with the ark. As soon as the priests step out of the river, the water begins to flow. The water begins to flow again. Again, it's flood stage. And they travel to Gilgal where they're going to set up camp. And it's there that Joshua builds this memorial. Look at verse 20 there in Joshua 4. It says this, And Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. So it's there at their camp, some two miles away from the Jordan, that he builds this, uh, this monument, if you will. There's lots of speculation what that looked like, whether he stacked them, whether he lined them up, circled them up. They don't know. But whatever the case, he places these these stones in such a way that they are to be a reminder of what happened that day. Look at verse 21, because now Joshua begins to, to speak to all the Israelites. He says this, he said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask, your, ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. Now, first he told that to who? The 12 men, right? He's told the 12 men, hey, you're, you guys, this is why you're going to go at the rocks and everything. Now he's talking to who? He's talking to all the, all the Israelites. Maybe he's talking to Israelite leaders that are then going to pass it out to all the nation. You know, we've talked to 2 million people. I doubt if he's got an auditorium big enough for all of them. But he's telling everybody in the nation what these rocks are for. And he says that same thing. Hey, they are for the upcoming generations that they might know what God has done this day. But he doesn't stop there. Look at verse 24. He did this. God did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord your God. This pile of rocks, yes, it's for the next generation, generations to come. But it is also for all the world to know how powerful our God is. 
You see, whenever the Israelites step into this land that has been promised to them, they are, they are surrounded by evil, right? I mean, they, they are stepping into a land where there are evil nations all around them. You've got the, the city of Jericho, you've got the Amorites and, and others who are in that area. And God wants this pile of rocks not just to speak to his own people, but he wants them to speak to all the enemies of God. To say, hey, yes, I am this powerful God leading my people. I am the God that parted the Red Sea so my people could cross over. I am the God that provided for my people as they crossed over through the wilderness. I am the God who defeated their enemies as they crossed over through their territory. I am the God who held back the waters of the Jordan so my people could cross over. Yes, I am that God. And yes, I am powerful. And yes, I am leading my people into your land. Oh, and by the way, your land is not your land anymore. And if you think the nations are taking notice of what's happening this day, look at chapter 5, verse 1. Now, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over, their hearts melted, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. (laughs) Do you think they took notice? Oh, yes, they did. At this point, it didn't take a pile of rocks the news had spread. The stories had gone out. And people knew the God of the Israelites was a God you didn't want to mess with. God gave very specific instructions to Joshua to build this pile of rocks, to set up this memorial so the people would remember what God has done. It'd be really easy right now to say, hey, let's be a people that remember God. Let's pray. I'm not. Because it doesn't end there. Jesus came along. And before Jesus ascended, he gave us some very specific instructions to help us remember what God has done. He gave us two things, as a matter of fact, that I believe are very specific that he has called us to carry out as followers, his followers, to be reminders for us. The first is that of baptism. We got to witness that this morning. Matthew 28, Great Commission, Jesus said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we baptize. Paul, over in Romans chapter 6, he, he lays it out very clearly what this baptism looks like and what it reminds us of and points us towards, what it accomplishes. It says this, Paul says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. We baptize because Jesus told us to baptize. And we baptize because it reminds us, it points us to Jesus, that he made a way for us to cross over from death to life. 
to cross over into the promised life that is available to anybody who will trust in him. And so we baptize. Jesus gives us specific instructions. Maybe we ought to do it. But he also gave us another uh, specific instruction, a specific event that we are to carry out throughout our journey as followers of Jesus, and that is communion. He gave us communion, this gift of communion for a reminder, and, and Paul speaks to that again over in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He, he says this, for I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget me. Keep doing this. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. I don't want you to forget about me. I don't want you to forget about what I did and what I accomplished on the cross that day. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. What did those rocks do? They proclaimed the power of God and what he did that day. What does the, the, the supper do, the Lord's Supper, communion that we do every week, what does it do? It proclaims the Lord's death until he comes again. And so we do it every week as a reminder that Jesus made a way. He didn't just pile up water 20 miles upriver, all right? No, he made a way by going to the cross. By allowing his body to be ripped to shreds. By allowing his blood to be spilled out, poured out. That our sins might be washed away. And so every week we come and people question us on that. Why do you do it every week? Because we don't want to forget. Because we're humans and we're so forgetful. But every week we come and we take this moment in our service to remember what Jesus has done for us. So here in a moment we're going to do that. If you're online with us right now, if you don't have the elements ready, this will be a great time to get those ready. If you're in the room here in just a moment, our ushers will come. They'll release you by row to a table in the front or the back. And when you get to that table, you're going to find two cups stacked on top of each other. That bottom cup's going to have that bread representing the body of Christ, the body that was bruised and beaten. And that top cup will have that juice that represents his blood that was poured out for you and for me come and you get those cups, you take them back to your seat and you get, you get to have a moment to remember. Think about your life before you crossed over and think about what it took for God to get you to cross over and think about your life that you've, now that you're living in the promise and the hope and the joy that you have in Christ. 
And maybe you're not experiencing that hope and joy right now. And today's a moment that you can remember and go, I want it again. I want to, be, I want to remember what he did for me. I want to grab hold of that life again. And it gives you this moment to do that. And our team will be leading in worship. And when you're ready, you can stand, you can sing with them. And we'll close our time here today. Listen, our life, is, our life is filled with crossover moments. Crossover moments where a broken marriage becomes whole, a, a hurting child finds healing, health issues, we find healing in those as well. We just crossing over, that's, that's, that's our life. We find ourselves in a pit and we're lifted back onto a mountaintop. We find ourselves in tragedy and we're lifted back to to victory. We find ourselves in, in hurt and God crosses us back over into, into healing again. Just, that's, that's life. And we have a God that wants to keep on leading us to cross over. And maybe today you're at a crossover moment and you're on the other side of the river trying to figure out how you're going to get to the other side. Remember what God has done. Because when we remember what God has done, you can be confident in what he can still do. And he can still help you cross over today. So what do you need to cross over from? What do you need to hand over to him? What do you need to entrust to him? Say, God, I just want to take your hand. Lead me over. Don't let this day pass you by. Right now, in this moment, we're going to celebrate. We're going to remember. We're going to take communion. So let me pray, and we'll take communion together. Father in heaven, God, we thank you that you are a God that, that leads us in this life and allows us, enables us to cross over from the hurts, the hang-ups, the tragedies, and all the things that we face. But most importantly, God, that you are a God that helps us, leads us, prepared a way, made a way through Jesus to help us cross over from death to life, to allow us to cross over from death to life. And so God, in this moment, we just want to remember that. We want to remember the price that was paid. We want to remember Jesus whom you sent, who, who came and paid that price and he died on that cross and he rose again those three days later to be the first to rise and we have that promise that one day we too will rise to be with you god we hold on to that hope we hold on to that promise god we thank you for jesus we thank you that you've placed him above all else he is king of kings lord of lords he is our savior father help us to follow him god we love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.